On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we're joined by Mike Golick Sr. for a fantastic interview. We talked to Mike about his radio career, what exactly happened at ESPN, what he's doing now, and he also gives us some of his hottest current sports takes. Before we talk to Mike, we jump into local college football news, OU and OSU released some kickoff times, and we preview the OU offense now that Spencer Rattler has been named the starting quarterback. We wet the beak with game seven between the Thunder and Rockets. We actually make our predictions, take a break to watch the game, and then react to the outcome. It's, uh, it's pretty great. We give you a winners and losers of the week that you do not want to miss and discuss Flick's Brewhouse opening in Oklahoma City and keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Ossie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, September 3rd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts couldn't be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. Now, they're still working on that new offer for our listeners, so we will keep you posted on that. FFB also gives back to the community. First Fidelity Bank donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now, we're recording this on Sunday night, but we, we changed it up just a little bit, Ted, because normally we record at 8 p.m. on Wednesday night. And the Thunder have a rather important basketball game at 8 p.m. So we're, we, we, we've changed it up. Yeah, well, the last thing we'd ever want to do is not have our our minds totally focused on the game or totally focused on the podcast, Gabe. You just can't divvy up your time like that, man. You can't. It's all about 100% effort into everything we do. And we were like, we can't cheat the people and record the podcast while watching and screaming very loudly into our microphones during the Thunder game. So uh, we're holding off, and it's going to make wet the beak pretty fun because we're actually going to pick the game before it happens and then watch the game and then come back and react to what happened during the game. So I'm kind of excited for that. But the thing I'm most excited about this episode, Mike Golick Sr. And I I like to think we handled it well. We didn't 
fanboy too hard. Now, we are radio guys, and he's kind of a legend, just a little bit. Hey, speaking for yourself on the fanboy deal, uh, I may or, not, may or may not have been running around my house with, you know, like uh, all giddy, but it's going to, it's fantastic. Yeah. So uh, I've known Mike for a while now. Obviously, Golick Jr. and I are good buddies, and it's, it's a fun interview. So I, let's not waste any time, man. Let's, let's get straight to it. The local college football news, and that is brought to you by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer. Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate, off campus, of course. It's made in Oklahoma, and it's absolutely delicious. Will & Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will & Wiley. If you're drinking some, tag us in your social media posts and let them know. All right, Ted, first, the Oklahoma football news we had some game times announced including the tv schedule and well as we expected the opener against missouri state it's going to be a 6 p.m kickoff on september 12th it is going to be on pay-per-view just a reminder that is a decision fox sports makes as part of the tv contract with ou it's not really ou's choice fox puts it on pay-per-view because it makes them a lot of money. OUK State on September 26th will be an 11 a.m. kickoff. No surprise that Fox would want that game. They've made that 11 a.m. time slot kind of their feature. And then OU Texas. We'd held out a little hope, right? This year's super weird. Maybe we get real weird at the Cotton Bowl. They put it at night. Nope. It stays at 11 a.m. And it will be on Fox there on October 10th, I know some people had held out hope. Uh, I think that was always just kind of us living in a fantasy world, Ted. But we have those three times. Anything stand out to you? You surprised by anything? Well, not surprised. Um, figured that the Missouri State was going to be a pay-per-view. My only question was, because of the strange circumstances, were they maybe not going to be held to that pay-per-view situation and maybe – uh, you know, so, since there's not a lot of inventory out there, maybe someone else wanted to pick that game up. Uh, wasn't sure how all that worked. So not surprising. I think all of their pay-per-views have been 6 p.m. kicks, if I can remember right. Um, get used to the 11 a.m. kick, man, because without, without the Big Ten playing, I mean, Fox is going to be picking pretty much a big noon game with uh, the Big 12 every single week, and that's most likely going to be Oklahoma in a lot of those. And even if it's not, like, the we've either been 11 o'clock on big games for the big noon or crappy games where they just put you at 11, and I think both are going to continue. The one thing is I wonder with less inventory if more Big 12 games will be picked up in other spots instead of just being thrown onto that 11 a.m. window to, to really not compete with anything else. Right, and you would hope that Big 12 games are kind of staggered, right? That would, that would be nice. Now, it, in the times we've seen, it doesn't look like it's going to work out that way. They're going to pile them up, and, you know, it, it is what it is. It's, 
it's out of the school's control. They sign the TV contracts and then ESPN and Fox, they, they make the rules. So I know some people, and kind of, we, we had talked about it, maybe that OU-Missouri State game would get picked up by a network. I'm sure Fox would have done that if it would have made monetary sense. But I, I, I really would have, don't If they know. would have played it early like they originally thought. Right. You know, yeah, that's a really good point. Like the 29th, like it, when they moved it to week zero. There's nothing else going on. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't know enough. I'm not even going to pretend. I don't know enough about television. I do know one thing. There is going to be one hell of a pregame show leading into that pay-per-view game. You get it? Because it's us. <laughs> We're going to be on the pregame show. Always best pregame show in all the sports. What a lot of people say, you know, I, I that, hear that rumor out, out on the street all the time. That, that's what they say. So, yeah, Sooner Game Day, me, you, and hey, Chad McKee, that'll lead into that one, so that'll be kind of fun. Here's the other thing that I think is a little bit like thinking that we're going to have a lot of 11 a.m. kicks. In a typical year, I understand the complaint, right? People want to turn the, the entire game day into a, a full-on event, right? You get there, you want to tailgate, you want to go around see all your buddies, at all the different tailgates around around campus, enjoy it, have some time to maybe have an adult beverage or, or 30 before you go into the game. But with all of that, I mean, who knows what Campus Corner is going to look like. It's uh, going to be no... an absolute zoo. Well, they, I was, we were talking Where about is this it? today. It's, well, for Campus Corner, the city council, they haven't even decided what they're going to allow yet. They don't, vote on it until September 8th and the thing that they've proposed so far is 50% capacity for the bars and restaurants so with with shutting the roads down and everything for for some overflow capacity outside but what is the capacity of asp like the street like it do, you, you know what i'm saying you know how yeah. the street is always just i i don't know how they're going to do that man i i honestly don't but you know the the kind of the overall thing though is like this year, it's going to be more about the game than it is the atmosphere, at least th- that it's ever been any other year. So I don't think the 11 a.m. kickoffs are nearly as upsetting as they typically are. Right. And I, I kind of asked some people on Twitter about that. Like, does it change your attitude with there not being tailgating on campus uh, with this whole thing with the coronavirus going on? Does it change your attitude towards 11 a.m. kickoffs? A lot of people said, yeah. I mean, they did. They were like, yeah, I mean, we watched the game and then we got the rest of our day. That's kind of how we feel because we work the games. But there were some people, and I do feel people that are coming from Dallas, people that are coming from Tulsa, you know, saying they got to wake up super early at the ass crack of dawn to get there on time. And, yeah, that's that sucks. That does suck for those people. But – I mean, it is what it is. It is Which what is it another is. thing, like, I wonder if there, there's going to be, with the limited capacity, and I'm not exactly sure what Dallas's bar and restaurant situation is, but there's no state fair. I bet there's more people that drive down day of for OU Texas than ever before. Right. That's what, I mean, that's it a, still may not be a big number, but, you know, if you leave at, at 5 a.m., you'll be there in plenty of time. We normally go down for OU Texas. We normally go down on Thursday and make a kind of make an extended weekend of it. And we meet a bunch of people down there and I can't imagine we're going to do that 
this year. I, I don't think I'm going to be staying at Hotel Zaza for <laughs> three or four nights. I mean, that, that doesn't seem to make much sense. But, all right, with the season right around the corner. Oh, yeah, by the way, Oklahoma State's opener against Tulsa. Teddy, your favorite game probably in all of college football. Yeah, turnpike. baby. Turnpike um, rivalry. Let's go. That game is set for 6.30 p.m. on ESPN or ESPNU. I'm not really sure how they decide that. Maybe it'll be on ESPN here locally. They're on September 12th. But a, a nice little uh, primetime slot Hope on ESPN for Tulsa and Oklahoma State. A big stage for Spencer Sanders and those guys to get it going in the right direction early in this season. So that's good. At least they've got a big-time platform. They're not on pay-per-view, just saying. No, primetime slot. That's not bad for, for OSU and Tulsa. I, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see what o- Oklahoma State looks like. I think that they've been a little overhyped, but there still is a, a high ceiling for that team. It, I mean, it's all dependent on quarterback play, and I'm hesitant to say that he's going to be as good as a lot of people expect, but we'll see. Yeah, and a lot of people will see because they're not playing on pay-per-view. I'm, I'm not mad because, I, I mean, I'll be working. I'll be there. But I just – I know a lot of people are upset about that. Now, since the season is right around the corner, uh, we, we thought that we would preview OU's offense on this episode. Next episode, preview OU's defense, kind of get everyone ready for the season. And with the offense, just a quick reminder that a lot can change very quickly with the coronavirus testing stuff and the contact tracing and all of that. So this year's going to be weird. That's just a reminder. But Lincoln Riley comes out this week, finally names Spencer Rattler, the starting quarterback, and been told that he's really settling in. He's continued to improve in practice. Uh, I think probably felt a sense of relief finally officially being named the starter, even though he'd been taking all the reps in practice, right? But now it's it's time to start talking about expectations for this kid. I mean, he is the first quarterback that Lincoln Riley has brought in that he has groomed from the ground up, right? Recruited him, brought him in, in, no transfer, none of that. Five-star guy, number one quarterback in the country. And his time is here. I mean, it is. And when you look at it, the realistic expectations are not very realistic. I mean, they're just not there. Or maybe they're not fair. But the expectation, Ted, is Heisman finalist, be there in New York City. If they even have that ceremony, we'll see. As a first-year starter, lead the team to a Big 12 championship, college football playoff berth. I don't know if that's fair but that's what this fan base has come to expect. And now it's time to see what he's got. Um, It's not fair. And you're right. That is what they've come to expect, especially whenever, let's be honest, we've been told how good Spencer Rattler is for three years. Right. I mean, whenever, maybe four, you may be able to go back further than that. Whenever uh, he committed, like whenever he was a junior and I mean, way back, we've been told how good he is. I was looking at this the other day, and I went back and looked at the, the, the quarterback play since, since Lincoln Riley showed up, and it really is amazing. The average completion percentage 
over the last five years is 69.6. Nice. Then there's 70%. Unbelievable. The average yards passing is 4,100. 4,100 yards passing is the average. Uh, the high end on that was Baker's uh, final year. He threw for 4,600. Um, 35 touchdowns and seven interceptions is the average. Five to one. And the average quarterback rating is 191.8, which, by the way, um, I noticed I, I went through and looked at this. Four of the top seven quarterback rated seasons of all time in the history of college football have been the last four years of quarterback at Oklahoma. So it's that's what he's being measured against. Last year, Jalen accounted for 53 total touchdowns. The year before that, Kyler accounted for 54 total touchdowns, and Baker was 49, 46, and 43 in his three years. So the numbers are ridiculous. And if he doesn't live up to that, no one's going to say, you know this, Gabe, no one's going to say, well, you know, it's his first year, or, you know, C.D. Lamb's gone. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Nor should it, right? Williams is going to be sitting right behind him. Yeah, so – well, we'll see. We'll see how he does now. First of all, I'm really impressed you did all that math, Teddy. That's like <laughs> that's a lot of math for you, dude. I'm I'm very proud. But also, let's not let's not forget that it's only going to be ten games, and then possibly a Big Twelve championship game, and then whatever the postseason ends up looking like, right? So the numbers will be skewed just a little bit. He's not going to have as many, you know, kind of teams to beat up in the non-conference, right? So we'll no see. No one's but thrown more than eight interceptions since Lincoln's been here. Do you think he'll throw more than eight in less I, games? I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's I think that's kind of the question. Like, as a, as a freshman, you would expect some of those, some of those, uh, those plays maybe trying to do too much. Um, maybe the pressure mounts if he's if he hasn't played well and he's trying to live up to those expectations. I don't know. I mean, the offenses these days, it's – I mean, this is a great trend for Oklahoma, but it's really the trend in college football. So I don't expect him to go out and throw 20 interceptions, but eight is still a, a really impressive number. Yeah, and the kid, he, he's got a ton of talent, right? We've heard that constantly from the staff now – Sounds like things have slowed down for him mentally, starting to get a really good grasp of what they're doing. And your confidence changes. We, we talk about confidence all the time, Ted. You're, when you know you're the starter, your confidence changes, your demeanor changes, the way you carry yourself off the field, the way you carry yourself on the practice field, you know, that focus that you practice with when you're a starter, it, it is different. It is different from, hey, I'm in a competition to, hey, I am the guy. So it's time. It's, it's Spencer Rattler time, and the expectations are what they are. And that's just how it's going to be. That's that. There is not a position in the country that has higher expectations than the quarterback position at the University of Oklahoma, and I cannot wait to see what he does. No, it's it's going to be it's going to be wild. Um, I'm the one thing you got to want. Offensive line really is the centerpiece of everything. The offensive line's good. The quarterback's going to play well in this system. Um, 
I just I wonder if he's going to have the the wide receivers to throw to that the previous quarterbacks have because they've had an embarrassment of riches. We feel like maybe there's a couple of guys that could really break out, but at this point we just don't know. That's one of those things that you just got to kind of wait on and see. Yeah, let, let's go there. Let's continue this offensive preview with the wide receiver position for Oklahoma. Wide receiver depth is it, – it's probably the biggest concern for the entire offense. Uh, I'm not sure, Ted, if they have a go-to guy or not. I, I think Rambo, he, he's going to have some big plays, especially utilizing that speed. I'm not sure with – let's go with the lack of creativity he's shown – when it comes to run after the catch, uh, I'm not sure he has the ability to be a thousand yard type guy. Maybe he does, but between Theo Howard and Obi Obiallo, those guys should be solid contributors. I think we're all expecting Theo Weiss to make a big jump. And then one guy that I keep hearing about is Marvin Mims. I mean, I, they think he can be a special player for them, especially down the line, obviously a young player. But he's going to get some chances because he, he's been pushing Rambo to get on the field. So I, I think they have a lot of good players. Are any of these guys as good as C.D. Lamb right now? No. Could some of them be? Maybe eventually. But I think it's good to have more options. They might not have that elite option, but they've got a lot of good players that they can put on the field at the wide receiver position. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the interesting things, and, and we've talked about this before in previous um, uh, episodes, is the chemistry issue and how long does that take for everyone to get on the same page together with all the time that they've missed this year with the new quarterback, a, a, a new group of wide receivers. Um, I wonder how much that hurts them. But I do think there's some really good athletes in there. I wonder if it stunts anyone's growth, maybe that, they aren't going to get nearly as much of a chance to kind of um, uh, you know, mentor under guys or um, learn from other great wide receivers in front of them. Remember, C.D. was a freshman, and he had Hollywood there in front of him. He had, what, D.D. Westbrook there in front of him. So he was able to see some guys and the way that they play and the way they run some routes and how they really fit into this offense. And other these this feels like this group's going to have to kind of feel their way a little bit more. But I know there's a, a – uh, a big group of guys that are ultra talented and by the time this year it, we may not figure out who the go-to couple of guys are early but by the end of the year we're going to have a really good idea of, of not only who's going to be the star wide receiver of the season but over the next couple of years like who the breakout guy or guys are going to be right and a lot of these wide receivers success may depend on the running game so let, let's take a look at the running backs, and no Kennedy Brooks. Ramondre Stevenson is suspended. So you're looking at TJ Pleasure, Seth McGowan, Marcus Major, and I think Pleasure and McGowan especially have really embraced the competition since it came out that Kennedy Brooks was opting out. Like these guys have taken their games to another level, and I think they complement each other well. Uh, I could see Pledger being the starter, but then I could see as the season progresses, McGowan ended up being more of the guy or maybe just even getting more carries, right? But I think 
I, I think this statement is true. Kennedy Brooks, even though he had the couple thousand yard seasons, I think these guys are both more talented than him. I think they both have more big play potential than he did just because I think they're faster and speed is so important at that position. Now you need ball security and you need to pick guys up and pass protection, all those little things. And I think DeMarco Murray is getting these guys ready and he has really been a difference maker. So I, I'm excited about the running back position. I think a couple of these guys can be really damn good. Yeah, I mean, I think Pledger's been a solid all-around guy. He's going to get uh, an opportunity to get more of a share than he's, than he's had. But I'll just tell you right now, and I know it's the same with you, but what I've heard about Seth McGowan is – It's like he's Superman. I'm telling you, I, I've, had, um, I've had a coach that usually doesn't get this way at all with players. I mean, ever at all say he could play in the NFL tomorrow says that uh, especially at the age that he's at right now, it's, it's the best running back he's ever seen at that age. Like walking that's on casual, campus. casual. So that's, that's, Oh my God. I'm so excited. I mean, what do I do? So it's like I, you put him in this offense as spread open as it can be. And with that offensive line, I mean, if, if there's truth to that, I don't know that there is, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes people can get ahead of themselves, but you know we've seen one little flash in helmets, no shoulder pads, and maybe he got tackled in the backfield. I don't know, but it was still like the greatest clip I've ever seen for just like a, a, a wearing pajamas practice. I mean that sidestep in the backfield. But that's the thing. The the rumor is he will absolutely run you over, but. He'll also make you miss. And I've talked about this before. You remember me saying it. Whenever you don't know what it, which one it's going to be, that makes it way more difficult to bring a guy down. Yeah. I'm sure the, uh, the players at Missouri State, with no film on him, I'm oh sure they're God. going to be uh, pleasantly surprised. Now, uh, another position that the coaching staff thinks can be a real strength for this team, especially with the, you know, kind of the formation and personnel versatility they bring, uh, the tight ends and the H-backs. When you look at Austin Sogner and Braden Willis and Jeremiah Hall, it gives them so much of that versatility. And it can make it really tough on teams. I mean, you know this better than anyone, Ted. It can make it really tough on defenses knowing what personnel they have to have on the field what personnel they need to match with when these guys have these versatile skill sets and i'm told that if if i should buy one one player stock on this football team it should be austin stogner that he has added weight he's added strength he's developed his blocking ability but he also is going to give them a big time threat catching the ball in the middle of the field. And that is something that this offense last year I mean, it didn't really have that big-bodied guy that could go battle in the middle of the field. And with the lack of depth at wide receiver, even though we think there's some really good players that are going to put up some good numbers, 
he becomes, Stogner becomes critically important for this offense because if, if he can occupy the middle of the field, that opens things up for the guys on the outside. If the guys on the outside are playing well, playing at a high level, that opens up everything for him in the middle of the field. You love to see it, Ted. When I heard that, I was like, oh, let's freaking go. I absolutely love it. You know I love it. I talk about it all the time. Uh, I, I'm calling him uh, Stogkowski uh, from now on. And here's what I think is, is great. The Lincoln Riley doesn't, like, peel back the curtain very much. But one of the things that he's, he's said since he came to Oklahoma that one of the offenses that he likes to watch is the Patriots. And in the Patriots offense – Gronkowski was always a threat, uh, whether it's off of some of the pop pass, play action stuff over the middle, down on the goal line where they would use him on either slants or, um, you know, fades or comeback routes on the pylon. He was it factored in heavily to what they did. Hopefully that's influenced him and, and he's going to use that with Stogner. Here's the other thing. Whenever you talk about Hall, Stogner, um, Willis, and you you brought this up. You don't know as a as a defense if that's twenty two personnel like heavy short yardage goal line personnel, or if they're going to line up in in five wide and go empty. You have no idea. That's how versatile all of those guys are. And as a defensive coordinator, you're screwed because if you do send out nickel, right? And as Lincoln, you were going to go five wide with them. What do you do? Oh, they're in nickel. Let's just uh, signal in. The, we'll jump in the I formation, uh, two tight end, run power O. So that, I mean, that's, and, that's how it and goes. You saw, you saw that personnel package last year, right? Baylor game mm-hmm. there in Waco. Stogner had the big catches. But, like, they can get in two inline tight ends, a fullback, and they've put that on tape. So when they roll that personnel out the first time this year, there's a certain expectation, but they're going to get a little more creative with that stuff. And all three of those guys have gotten better. So I saved the best position for last, the most important. Excuse Inside me. backer, I can't wait, man. We got oh, my, plenty of stuff. The defensive there. preview is okay. next episode, right. and that I'll just let you talk the whole time. But the offensive line, Creed Humphrey is the best overall player on this football team. And if anyone wants to debate me on that, let's do it. And this, this offensive line is undoubtedly the strength of this entire offense. And it is going to be the key for this offense. It's going to be the key to this offense's success. You've got an inexperienced quarterback. So you know they're going to want to run the ball a ton. You know they're going to want to protect him well to give him time to process things because we all know how inexperienced quarterbacks can get some time. They've got inexperienced running backs. So they're going to have to block the hell out of people, make it easy for those guys, clean up protections, make it easy for those running backs, but they got the guys to do it. I've never heard Beatenbow talk about depth in this way. He feels even if Chris Murray doesn't get to play, he feels good about eight, maybe nine guys other than the Murray kid that he feels comfortable putting out on the field and even 
possibly starting. So he's never told me that before. So he feels great. And once again, the Rain kid, he's going to be a monster, an absolute monster. Now you got Ely, you got Hayes, you got Robinson, uh, obviously Creed, Swenson, Wilkins, you know, Rame, Harrison. Like you've got some guys that can play some football. And this is the year to have depth at position and offensive line may be the most important to have depth at this year with all this crazy shit going on. So I am fired up to watch these boys play. I Do they have any feeling on Murray? Because I feel like that is – I mean, shouldn't that, he be eligible? Why, why should every kid that transfer why, – why not just make him eligible? Why not? Well, I, I mean – I agree with that, but the other part of it is it's like negligent of the NCAA to allow training camp to go on this long for a guy that could be a contributor and have no idea what's going to happen one way or the other. I mean, you could be playing him as a starter, and the NCAA is like, oh, hey, uh, by the way, I forgot to tell you guys, no, nope, he can't play this year. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's I don't know, but and by either the way, way, I did see that the NCAA furloughed 600 people, so uh, I don't think anything's going to be happening faster. <laughs> yeah, I think things are going to slow down over there. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I, that's the best answer. And then it's going to be interesting that the offensive football played in this state is going to be damn fun to watch because you look at OU's offense and kind of the expectation, what Lincoln Riley's done, and then you look there, up there in Stillwater – Spencer Sanders, Tylen Wallace, Dylan Stoner, Braden Johnson, Chuba Hubbard. I guess the big question is the offensive line. But there's going to be a lot of dudes in the NFL from these two teams offensively. A lot. And I'm I'm wondering which one of these offenses is going to score more points. I think it's going to be close. I I think Oklahoma State's going to be damn good on offense, dude. I I mean their offensive line isn't going to be nearly as good as Oklahoma's. And I just – I don't know yet how good Spencer Sanders is going to be. Right. And maybe he's better than, than Rattler. I don't know. But I know everyone's pumping him up to be fantastic. But, dude, you look at his play last year, it just wasn't very good. Once they got in the Big 12, was not very good. I think he had 16 touchdowns and 16 turnovers last year. Yeah. So – you expect not. him to take a big step, but I still I'm not just totally sold on him just yet. Yeah, he did not value the football. But we have an absolutely fantastic interview with Mike Golick senior. It just didn't end. We just kept going. We 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 all blacked out and it it just kept going. It's like an hour long, so but it's awesome. Listen to it. And the interview is brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. 
Best in class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. All right, here's Mike Golick Sr. It is our pleasure to be joined by an absolute legend of the <laughs> airwaves. Legend, I say. Mike Golick Sr. is in the house. What is up, man? I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. Well, I, I, you must have gotten the intro I asked you to read for me as far as <laughs> saying legend because nobody in my household seems to want to say that name. So it's nice when somebody else says it. Yeah. So wh- when I DM'd you about coming on the podcast – it, it was hilarious because you said that you could do it now because you actually stay up this late. Now, now we'll get into what the hell happened over at ESPN because yeah. I, I, I need to know, but just how much different is your life right now? How, how are you adjusting to the new schedule? Well, let me just say about a month ago, while I was still doing the show, had you uh, text me and said, Hey, can we do a podcast? And I said, sure. And then I said, what time? And you said nine at night. I'd have laughed my ass off and said, dude, I'm in REM by then. All right. <laughs> nine o'clock. I said, I'm going to have to, I'm going to drink a tons of coffee. But since I ended the show and I, and for 22 years at ESPN and three years before that, when I was doing a show in Arizona, the morning show there, four 30 in the morning, man. So 25 years of that. So that was uh, to do that. As I got older, I certainly had to go to bed a little earlier. I'd be up in bed by eight o'clock, sometimes not asleep by eight, but at least up there, you know, either watching a sport if it's on or me and my wife watch Everybody Loves Raymond, you know, so we watch that until uh, until I go to sleep. But yeah, I saw that nine o'clock. I said, thank God I'm not doing the show anymore, man. That'd have been a struggle. <laughs> A lot of people don't realize the grind morning radio is, man. A lot of times you got to stay up late to see some type of big event and then still be able to talk about it bright and early in the morning. I mean, that's an absolute grind, and you did it for a long time. Is, is that kind of been the one thing uh, as, as you've changed up your schedule, that just the ability to not every single morning, because the mics always go hot when they go hot, and you've got to be there. Having a little more flexibility has got to be the greatest thing ever. It's, it's wild, quite honestly. I mean, I, you're right. You get up at 4.30 and like, I swore every, four, every day at 4.30, I got up and I, cu- I cussed because you never get used to 4.30 in the morning. But then as the day gets rolling, you know, like you guys know, as you get closer to a show, you know, you kind of get going a little bit. Even if it's five in the morning, you kind of get into ESPN or, or the last few months here, it was in my basement where we had the studio set up because of uh, COVID. But, you know, everybody starts talking about sports. You start to get your packets, your information. You watch the game before. And what was great about what I could do is if I couldn't stay up for the whole game, we have the ability to watch everything compressed. You get up a little earlier. Sometimes I get up at quarter to four, four, and you can compress something and watch it in 15, 20 minutes. So you can get all caught up with everything. Um, The hardest thing, and I'm still not over it. I mean, it's been a few weeks now since I haven't had to get up. July 31st was my last show, is I still kind of wake up half-assed a little bit now at 4.30 and then just kind of go back to sleep because I know I can. Uh, So I'm wondering when that will end and I'll actually like sleep through to 7 o'clock. I'll be like, oh, my God. So, Mike, I know just from, you know, 
talking to Mike Jr. about it. It's just like you were really caught off guard by what ESPN told you. Like it when they told you they were going a different direction, like what the hell happened? I, I was so confused because you'd been doing it for so long. And I, I at least thought that if they were going to move in a different direction, they would at least give you a heads up. I mean, that, that, that was shocking to me, man. It, uh, when the new year, cause my deal's up at the end of the year, when the new year started, when 2020 started, that's usually when I would start renegotiating the next deal. And when, when that didn't happen, you know, they, they, so they kind of said, we're not sure what direction we're going to go yet. You know, meaning, are you going to stay? Will you stay with the show? Will you get a new, will it be a new morning show? Will you, or will you not be with radio anymore? So there was kind of an inkling was, do they want to continue this? Um, but then when the process started and certainly, you know, with what was going on in the world with the pandemic, I mean, that, which was just horrific, obviously for everybody, and then kind of right in the middle of that, they just kept saying, we're not sure what we're going to do. We're not sure what we're going to do. And, you know, and that's fine. And I, and I, I tried to, to, to say, listen, I mean, it's some weird times now. You're thinking about a change. You may want to hold off for a year. And I, and I thought some of that selfishly, if I still wanted to do the morning show, but also if you are going to get a new morning show, man, that, that's tough to introduce a whole new group when you can't even be out anywhere. You can, you know, you, you can't even go visit different markets and kind of, you know, market this and get them out there and, and pub in front of everybody. Uh, and, and it might be tough and tougher for them. But, you know, I guess it's a direction they wanted to go. And, and basically, I still wasn't sure what was going to happen. And then, as, as I said, it's, it's pretty much been out there. And I said, I, I kind of I read it in the paper, you know, one of the that, that, that oh. a deal had been done, you know. And uh, so I, I kind of there was there was a thought that maybe it wasn't going to happen. But I thought before, you know, it came out, I thought they'd give me a heads up and say, hey, we're going to go in a different direction. So, you know, and, and when the, then the stuff started coming out in the paper, we even tried to reach out and say, all right, is this happening? Just let us know, you know. They're like, we're, we're still not sure. And then, you know, <laughs> they were. And uh, so the it, fuck? Was, it, 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 it wasn't the best ending in the world. Um, I, I obviously went on record and said I wasn't happy the way it ended. But I equated it to – I equate everything to sports, you know, and a lot of it to football, is I got cut by the Houston Oilers and then I got cut by the Miami Dolphins. And I disagreed with that both times. I didn't think I should be cut. But you know who didn't give a shit? The coach. You know, they <laughs> cut me. So – I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think they should have ended ended uh, the morning show, uh, and and should have let me keep doing it. But you know, they they were going to do what they were going to do. So it doesn't matter what I think. Well, you. I mean, you kind of the rocket ship of you know sports talk radio and ESPN and everything. You were kind of along for that ride, and uh, there was I'm, I'm sure a changing environment with salaries and contracts. You know, they're now you're doing TV stuff with the radio show. So I'm sure throughout, I mean, there was, you probably had some tense negotiations throughout, didn't you? Actually, in all honesty, they, they all were, were except for when, when Mike and Mike ended, that next negotiation was, was an interesting one. I did the three more years with Trey and my son, Mike. Um, and then obviously there was nothing after that. Before that, because, you know, we were, uh, we were riding the wave pretty well. So it all, it all kind of went pretty smooth. You know, I started at first with Tony Bruno back in 98. That was the first ESPN morning show 
that he and I started. And then after a year, he had left and then Green and I got going uh, on that. So we, you know, right place, right time. We had really good chemistry. The, the show kind of took off and, uh, and it all ran pretty smooth until, you know, a few years before that ended. And then, you know, it's, it's while I've enjoyed what I've been doing and quite honestly, working with my son to be able to turn on a mic and work with your kid like I have for the last three years will be the highlight of my career. Um, but, uh, you know, 22 years, you, you can't expect them all to be just run smoothly. Something's going to be a little rocky, but it's the way it goes. Now, I'm, I'm so curious because I, I know people ask you about Greeny all the time and kind of where that relationship is. And it, just how, how different is it doing something for that long? Because, I mean, you and Greeny were together for what? I, I mean, yeah. damn near 20 years or something like that. And then you and Wingo uh, had a good run as well. It's like all of a sudden those relationships end. Uh, what's that like? Well, I mean, it's this one I, I kind of find out it was, and it kind of like, you know, traded as well. You know, we, were, we kind of found out like, oh, okay, I guess this thing's going to be over, even though there was a, an inkling that they might change. Uh, it, with Greeny and I, that one, uh, that one kind of caught me off guard a little bit, the way the, the guy who was running ESPN at the time, you know, basically said, I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, break you guys up. Uh, and go with two different shows, and and I thought, wow, that's that's kind of wild. I thought it was going going pretty well. And listen, it, it Greeny wanted to go do something different. He wanted to be out uh, be on his own, and everybody has a right to do that. You know, it, it's their right. But now the inner workings of which you know, I'm I'm not a big locker room talker of some of the things that went on. I wasn't real happy with. But the bottom line is, you know, everybody has makes their choices on what they want to do. And, and Greeny wanted uh, to move on, and, and he moved on. You know, Greeny and I, you know, we, we got along extremely well. We didn't know each other before we started Mike and Mike, and we lived an hour and a half from one another. We, we never really saw each other a lot. When that show started, my kids were 10, 9, and 5, and he had no kids. So his kids are way younger than my kids, and we lived very far from one another. And I, I remember him saying, um, he, he would, uh, while our show was, Mike and Mike was going on a couple of times, he hosted when Kelly Ripple was doing, you know, the, the morning show. Um, and he co-hosted with her a couple of times. And he said, what was interesting about that show is they never really talked before the show about a lot of things. So they went in with kind of, you know, their own opinions without going over them. And that's kind of what we did as well. Greeny brought that up and it worked pretty well. We would start to talk about something in pre-show occasionally and we'd be like, oh, save it for the show, save it for the show, you know, and not really bring it up. So like I said, he came from an, an hour away. I came a different way away. So there, there wasn't a whole lot of interaction outside of the show. The show worked incredibly well. Uh, his new show has him in the mornings. My show with Wingo and my son had me in the morning. So there was never going to be any interaction there. We'd see each other at the Super Bowl uh, occasionally. So that, that's kind of how the relationship has been. We see each other. We're cordial one another. But we never really hung out anyway. But the show we had together obviously worked pretty well. Is, is this something that you knew you were always going to do? Like whenever you were a player, did you feel like this is like a, a natural progression? Because I'll tell you, myself, hated the media never talked to them. I gave one word answers. My theory was the less I talk, the less they're going to try and interview me. Gabe, on the other hand, when I started doing sideline at OU, <laughs> if I ever needed to know anything, like in the middle of a game, you walk over to Gabe, it's like, 
Gabe, what's happening out there? He's like, they suck. We're kicking their ass, like right in the middle <laughs> of a of a game. So some people, it's like natural. Others, it just kind of wind up that way. How was it for you? Well, I was more on the Gabe side of it. You know, when I was in the locker room, I, I knew the media had their job, that they were going to ask their questions. So I gave them – I tried to give them answers without really giving them anything. I tried to use humor, you know, See how all long that you kind could of sit thing. there and go round yeah, and round with them? Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, it's – it's very difficult to get something really incredible out of somebody unless they want to give it. But, but I was very jovial with them and we, we bantered back and forth. So I always got along well with them. Um, but I did a, a, a piece on the Randall Cunningham show when I was in Philly called Golik's Got It. It was kind of a humorous look at our next opponent. It's like a three minute segment each week and right place, right time. It won like a local Emmy in Philly. So ESPN, had called after that and called my agent and said, Hey, does this guy in the off season, you want to come do some stuff for us? And my agent called and I said, yeah, why not? So it was actually when ESPN two was just starting out and Susie Culber and Keith Oberman and Stu Scott were all doing that show called sports night where Keith had the leather jacket on, you know, and, and, uh, and Stu with the, like the coogie sweater and stuff. And uh, they were doing all kind of crazy sports. I went on there a few times, got to know them and did a few hits with ESPN. So when I retired in 94, ESPN called and said, hey, do you want to do college games? Uh, and I'm like, sure. You know, I, I, I really was one of those guys that now I tell younger players, be prepared when you're done playing. It was do as I say, not as I do, because I sure as hell didn't know that that was going to happen. But it did happen. And that's when I started with them. And while I was doing that, college games and then doing what was NFL Live now was called NFL Tonight back then. That was me, Mark Malone, Merrill Hodge, and um, Sean Salisbury. While I was doing that in Bristol, I was doing local radio in Arizona. And the one time I came from Arizona to Bristol to do some of that, they sat me down and asked me, hey, we're going to – ESPN Radio wants to do a national morning show for the first time. Do you want to do it? And I said, well, you want my wife to move from Scottsdale, Arizona to Bristol, Connecticut. I'm going to have to talk to her about that one. So we, we, we felt, and, and, and it was, you know, the right move to make. So we, we moved everybody here, and that's how it kind of all started. Okay, Mike, I, I definitely want to dive into, you know, what your fall is going to look like uh, with the college football stuff. But I, but I have to ask this question because, and, and I've told Junior this, but – I, when I got into radio, I, I, I wanted to, you know, kind of imitate your style because you, you never sensationalized things. You were never some big hot take guy. It was never sources are telling me. It was never yelling and screaming. It was just you being you and it worked. So as you see kind of some of these sports media personalities, you know, going the hot take route, how did it work from you? How, how were you able to stay away from the temptation of turning into that guy? You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. It, ne it never entered my mind. And you know, it's as simple as, and I always tell my kids this in certain situations when they're going to be doing something. And I certainly told this to Mike getting into this business it's the, it sounds like the simplest cliche in the world, but it's something my dad always told me is just be yourself. And, and it rings so true, especially 
even when I started radio in Arizona, that was a four hour show. And then at ESPN, it was a four hour show on, on radio and TV. I couldn't be someone else. If I tried to put on that hot take act, which wasn't me, or that sensationalizing something, which wasn't me, that meant every time that microphone went on, I would have to go into that mode. And man, I just think, A, first, people would figure that out. And B, that's just not me. You know, I was just going to be myself. If some people liked it, great. If some people didn't like it, oh, well, they'll let me know. You know, and, and if enough people don't like it, then I won't be on the air very long. But my, my style was, was I never wanted to talk at anybody. I wanted to talk to people. Now, I'm in a un unique position, like I told Mike when he was getting into this. Listen, we've been in locker rooms and on the field. We've been where 99% of the, the world hasn't been. So take people in there. You know, still not by not talking at them, but just take them, take them where they can't go. Tell them what athletes are thinking. That was one of the ways where we, they say, well, how do you talk other sports? Well, first off, I definitely had to put my time in to learn the intricacies of the other sports, but you're athletes. So I don't care if it's baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer. We know how athletes think. We know what goes on in locker rooms. We know what goes on on fields with the mentality of athletes. So I, my thought was, I'm just going to bring that to people. So I want the setting to be a bar. I'm sitting at the corner of the bar with a beer. I want everybody else sitting there and we're just, we're just shooting the shit about sports, you know, and I'll, I'll every now and then I'll tell you, Oh, Hey, well in the locker room, this is what we would do or talk about, or this is how things go or on the field. This was the mentality that we would have out there. And, you know, so you get my thought, especially in the morning was take people where they can't go as, as from the athlete side. And you know what? Make them laugh a little bit. Hell, it's morning. I don't care what time of day, but this is morning. You're going to work. Make them laugh a little bit. So I'd be a little self-deprecating, which I've always been. Try and make them laugh a little bit. And maybe, you know, take them inside on something and, and, and tell them something they may not know about, you know, a locker room or a weight room or a field. And, and I was good with that. I, I think that's a fantastic way to look at it and a great philosophy that uh, probably works anytime other than this year when there's yeah. no sports <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and we're talking about a virus for the last six months. I mean, just take us inside, like kind of your thoughts about what's, what's gone on, what you think is going to happen in the future, just kind of the mess we've been living <clears throat> through for the last six months. Well, the, the first thing I, I, when this was going on, I mean, this started and then obviously the social injustice starts, you know, with George Floyd, you know, that, that, that murder. Um, I, I, so the first thing in both those situations, I said, we are not going to be experts in this. So while I'm not somebody who likes to have a lot of guests on, on my show, a four hour show, hell, if we have one an hour, I'm good. You know, and that's, that's during sports time, you know, to, to either insiders or other ball players or something. I'm good with that. I don't like a lot of guests, but in this situation, I am never afraid to admit I don't know. You know what? I don't know anything about this pandemic or the coronavirus. Or so for me to say you should do this or you should do that. And certainly when George Floyd was killed and the protest started and the social injustice and that was going on, I sure as hell don't know what's going on in that situation. So we, we said as a, as a group, as a show, we need to bring people on and we need to listen. You know, you're always taught to listen to your guests. You may have questions, but you better listen to your guests because they may say something that will, you know, make you think of a different question to follow along. Well, that was this. I said, we need to bring 
in people in both these situations who, who we need to listen to and learn from. So that's what we really tried to do, especially in the beginning of this, is try and learn from it all. Because then you get asked, hey, would you play? Would you send your son to play? I mean, in the beginning, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know. But after a while, when you start to see what's going on, I, you know, I, I, it, it's amazing where we are, though, isn't it? One guy, Rudy Gobert, gets the coronavirus, and basically the NBA shuts down and everything shuts down. Now we have players testing positive, you know, way more than one. And now they're just kind of plowing through and saying, okay, quarantine them. And, and that's what we found out during this. I'm sure you guys as well. You learn something new every day. You learn to deal with it differently every day. I, I had said if I was a player, players want to play. I would have gone and played in college. And they said, would you send your sons? I said, yeah. I said, if they had a plan, I said, this is one where the coaches would need to talk to the parents and the administration would need to talk to the parents. I would need to hear what the plan is. But I, 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 would, I would think I would send my kids to try and play as well. I mean, before all the students get on campus, they're like in a basically a mini bubble anyway, as we all know, you know, doing like those summer workouts and such. So, but man, it's a, it's a tough situation. And now the Big Ten and Pac-12 deciding pretty quickly that they're not going to play. And now the back 10 kind of back penalty a little bit because the other three power fives are going to play. It's, it, it's, you just, and the one thing you don't want, you just don't want it to get too political, right? I mean, you, you want to, you really hope when they say player safety first, you really want everybody to mean that. Yeah. You, you mentioned, uh, I keep calling it the big 10 dumpster fire yeah. because uh, <laughs> I mean, just, but it, it got even worse. This week. Yeah, let's just get into the college football stuff, Mike. I, I mean, it got even worse this week. Now, now somehow President Trump's involved. Uh, they're having calls. Like, it comes out that the vote was 11-3, to 3, so it wasn't even that close. And now they're talking about what – I mean, Dan Patrick comes out and says, hey, it may be October 10th. I mean, I mean what the hell is going on up there? I, I don't know. I mean, it, how different – it's amazing. The Pac-12, you've heard nothing. Nothing. Not anything from the players, not anything from the parents. In the Big Ten, there's been an uprising from the players and the parents, you know, all signing petitions and gathering in spots saying, you know, we want our kids to play. Now, now we all know the Pac-12 put out a statement right away detailing what they went through. And let's be honest, some of the colleges, not many, uh, uh, there's more than a few colleges in California that aren't having students on their campuses. So, it, it we and we know what California and Arizona and Texas, Florida were one of the, were some of the hot spots out there. So there wasn't a whole lot of talk there. But the Big Ten, I mean, everyone just keeps bringing up. Oh my God, God in Ohio, you're going to have two pro teams playing. High school teams are playing. The only ones not playing are Ohio State, you know, and other you know big time colleges, whether it's Ohio or, or the other Big Ten schools. And now this whole thing. First, you heard they were going to start after Thanksgiving, which is like. What in the hell are you doing after Thanksgiving? So everybody else is just finishing and you're going to just start? I mean, that, that's stupid. I mean, you look ridiculous. Now you want to start October 10th. I, I don't, I don't, I, I like the way the SEC just kind of waited. And I think that was the thing to do. You know, Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, we had him on more than a, a couple of times, him talking about we're going to wait and wait even before we bring our players back. You had, you had a decent runway, and you had time to kind of make your decision. You know, the SEC not starting until, what, the 26th, ACC starting, and the, the Big Ten and Big 12 starting September 12th next week. So they're all kind of 
sticking with that with their with the information that they got. The Big Ten, man, every, and, and everybody jumping on Kevin Warren. Listen, he's a commissioner, so you get the darts thrown at you. This is the president's making the decision. This is like Roger Goodell taking all the darts when the owners are the ones that are going to ultimately make decisions. So, you know, it, it's they they are not looking good in this situation. No, with the vote being made public, uh, good luck getting those presidents and chancellors to, on the record, change their vote whenever really yep. nothing's changed with the virus. I don't see nope. that happening. So uh, we'll see where that goes. You know, what about the kind of the impacts from the student athlete? It's difficult because – you understand the health situation and you understand that uh, the NFL is a factor for a lot of guys. And we've seen plenty of players say, you know what? I'm not even going to mess with it. I'm going to opt out of this season. I'm going to go to the spring. I'm going to start preparing for the NFL draft. And I don't really have a problem with that, but my, my fear is that guys are going to do that. They're going to have uh, high draft picks out of it. And then from here on out, it's going to be a thing that we see more often, a, a sophomore or a guy that's not eligible for the draft the year before, just go ahead and opt out and wait. And we, we've talked about it for a long time. We really haven't seen it. And wonder if it's going to become a thing. See, you're right. We have, haven't we all just kind of been like, okay, when's the next shoe going to drop? We saw Nick Bosa. You know, now he had the injury, but he played, what, five or six games, and we thought maybe he could come back for the playoffs, but decided not to train. And no one, no one's going to blame him, you know, for, for making that move. So we started thinking, okay, when are guys going to opt out if they're take, take COVID out of it in a regular season? If a team is two and four, and all of a sudden they don't have a chance for a, a playoff or a big bowl game, is someone going to opt out then? When does that first player who it's can like if make Alabama it? Alabama loses two games. Nick Saban yeah. may lose his whole roster. Yeah, that's exactly right. Or when does a team or a player on a team that's headed for the college football playoff say, you know what? I'm not going. You know, that's going to be in January. In February, I got to go to the combine. I'm not taking the chance. We haven't had that yet. But now, under these horrible circumstances, we're seeing this happen. And you're right. We're seeing, you know, the late, late, one of the latest ones, Jamar Chase from LSU, one of the top wide receivers. So not playing at all. And you can understand the reason. Now, just playing conference play and the COVID scare, I get it. I'm just going to go get ready for the NFL. But you're right. If these guys come out all clean on the other side, is you know, and you know a lot of the times it's not always the players. It's people that get in their ear that can make money off these players saying, don't screw it up. Just sit out the season, go train. You're going to get guaranteed money. Now, let's also be honest. That's going to be a – if it did happen, I, I, unless you guys disagree, it would be a very small group of people, people that are just destined for near that top of the draft. I'm not sure how chancy others would do it in a normal year and skipping the whole season. Right. And, you know, maybe that does start a trend, but I'm with you. I think it will be a handful – of guys, I mean, yeah. there's there's really not that many guys that could be like, yeah, I'm for sure a top ten pick now. Yeah, and and real quick, I said the word chancy. Is that even a word? Can we make that a word? It is now because Mike Golick Senior. Don't chant. It's the it's the word of the show. Chancy. There you show go. the word. Right. Word of the show. I don't know. I can't I speak. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Mike. Mike. Now, one thing through all of this weird shit, one thing cool that has come from it 
is we're going to get to see Notre Dame in a conference. Yeah. You're a Notre Dame guy. Your kids went to Notre Dame, played at Notre Dame. How fun is that for you guys kind of as a family? And then I, I saw they're doing 20% capacity, but only for students, faculty, right. staff, what, players, parents, I think. I wonder how that's going over. Are you going to be able to sneak in there? No, I, will, I won't. I mean, I got a house oh. right there and, and tickets. I got four season tickets there. And no, but you know what? I understand. This year is we just have to under, accept what's going to happen this year. I mean, would we like it all to be normal? Yeah, but it's not. So you just got to deal with the situation. I get it. I understand it bums me out. Uh, I, I love going to the games. I love heading out there and hanging out on, on weekends. I love it. But it's just, it's just not meant to be this year. Just like, just like the, the everyone's always, always got on me. Oh, Notre Dame needs to join a conference. Oh, now they're going to join a conference. No, they're not. They're going to join it for this year. They're going to split their money. They're going to they're split all their NBC money. Uh, with everybody else in the conference. And we know the conference is not two divisions. It's just one division now. Just one big division, kind of like the Big 12 is. And they'll play it that way this year. This year is an exception. It's not going to be the rule. The only way Notre Dame will join a conference, and if they do join a conference, it will be with the ACC. Because I believe for the rest of their sports, it's like a $50 million buyout if they go to another uh, another conference. And while Notre Dame has a lot of money, nobody wants to just give $50 million away. But the only way they'll go is if, if, if obviously, if they, they see the benefits of it outweighing the benefits of staying independent. And when that happens, they'll, they'll gladly go. They'll say, okay, but right now they'll join. And then next year, I would imagine they'll go back to being independent until something drastic changes over the long haul in college football. I still think the most badass thing of all time in college football is if Notre Dame joins the ACC for this year, wins it, and says, we'll see you bitches later, we're out. And just takes the – one time they're in a conference, they win the conference championship, they win the ACC championship game, they go to the playoff, and they're like, thanks, guys, that was awesome. We don't need to join a conference. We just jumped in there and won the thing. Oh, it's exactly what would happen. I, Mike, my son Mike would talk about it saying it would be like years from now. Hey, remember that one year when we went into the conference there and won it and just, you know, took the trophy and left? That's what would happen. But, uh, yeah, listen, Clemson's a heavy favorite there. Notre Dame plays Clemson in the regular season, and then they could, they could possibly meet again then uh, for the conference championship. And Clemson, is, as we know, is loaded again. But that's what it would be. They would take that trophy, and in the trophy case at Notre Dame, it would be one ACC championship trophy. Again, like I said, unless something drastically changes – and that would be it. And it would be like, yeah, we remember that year we went into the ACC and won it. <laughs> so, Mike, are you having to pay a little closer attention to the – I mean, I know everyone's not playing, but with your new role, I saw the broadcasting stuff come out from ESPN. And what you're going to be calling games sounds like, what, you and Dave Pash, are you going to yeah. be going to games or is it going to be a studio thing? How are you guys going to do this whole thing? I'm going to start out, we're going to start out in the studio. Now, Dave is down in Orlando calling uh, in, in the bubble, calling you know, the NBA games for ESPN down there. He'll be done with that in about a week or so. Uh, and we're going to start out, there's going to be some groups that start out on the road, and some of us, we're going to start in studio. Now, Mike and I called a couple of games over the last few years, and we did a couple in the studio. The Hawaii Bowl a few years ago, we called from the Bristol studio, which really pissed me off because I wanted That's to go bullshit. to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right. It's exactly right. Um, so 
I, I we, we've done, I have, I've done that before. Obviously it's not the same as being there, but we will start off in the, in the um, studio, not at the site. Like I, I found my first game is Louisiana at, um, at Iowa state, but, and it, it's it, at Iowa state and it's not, but, but I'll be calling it here in, in Bristol, Connecticut. So, you know, again, it's just, no sense to complain about it. It is what it is. We, we, they set up the best monitors they can. We've had meetings about it. We still prepare the same, talking to coaches and talking to players and, and do it just like a regular game. I love asking players from different eras what they think of the current game. Um, I love the, the eye formation, smash mouth football, um, lower scoring games. And now obviously the rules have changed. Things are different. Uh, the big hits, the ejections, all that stuff that, that gets penalized. What, what's your take currently on the state of football? Are you a fan of the style of play that we've started to see? Well, I, I sucked as a pass rusher, so I hate it. Um, because <laughs> Listen, in, in nine years in the NFL, I had 11 and a half sacks. So, you know, I average a little over one a year, which is consistent, but consistently bad. It really is. <laughs> Um, listen, I, I, and I understand the game changes. It changed from when we played the way before us, you know, when, when players played. So I, I don't have a problem with the game now. Uh, I, I really don't. Um, I, I know that running backs, if you, if uh, all I know is if I have grandkids and they coach wants to make them a running back, I'm going to say, you better split them out because he ain't playing running back because that position is getting phased out to your point. You know, the old three yards in a cloud of dust, man, that's just, that part is disappearing. If you're not a Christian McCaffrey, you know, or Zeke Elliott or Saquon Barkley, someone who can not only run but catch the ball out of the backfield, you know, you're, you're not going to last very long. It's become a lot more situational than even back, when, certainly when I was playing and before. So it's just different. I don't really look at necessarily like people ask me that about the NBA. Oh, the NBA, they're softer now. Well, they just play by different rules. You know, I, that, that's all they do if because people said, oh, LeBron never could have played in the 80s. Well, if Le LeBron was brought up in the 80s, he would have been able to play in the 80s because that's the way he would have been brought up to play. The guys in the NBA now with the AAU, the way it is, roll out the ball, give it to the best players. It's a different game. Football has become a different game. You look at when we were younger and playing, you know, it was a lot of running all the time. Now there are seven on seven tournaments all over the country for little league and high school. So it's the passing game now. That's just the evolution of that. Um, but you, boy, you brought up targeting. I hate that rule. Hate it. Hate the targeting rule in college. I hate the fact that some kid gets booted uh, out of the game. If you're going to boot someone, I'd give them two and not one. And some of them they get thrown out just absolutely ticks me off. And these kids are out for the game and maybe the first half of the next game or the whole next game or however, you know, whatever it is, I, that part of it, I, I can't stand. You mentioned, you know, kind of the targeting in college football. And that I, I'm so interested to see what the NFL looks like this year, Mike, especially early in the season with no preseason games. And it, as a guy that, you know, got cut, how many times did I get cut? I don't know, eight, nine, <laughs> whatever it was. But, like, lived at the bottom of the roster. And I really – I mean, my career relied on the stuff I put on tape in preseason games. Like, that's how right. I kept getting picked up. Uh, I mean, what was it going to be like for these guys, especially the undrafted guys? Like, I feel like this is just a horrible situation for a lot of really good football players in the NFL this season. 
Oh, you're 100% right. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't care about the back half of the roster. But listen, when I played, there were 12 rounds. I was a 10th rounder. I wasn't supposed to make it. You know, my, my son Mike was undrafted, got cut by Pittsburgh once in New Orleans twice, made it to the last cut, you know, a couple of times. So right on the brink. And, and we know as players, the difference of guys who just get cut and the back end of the roster is, is minimal. A lot of times it's the situation you're in, the opportunity you get. It, it's, it's a, but now, I mean, when I would watch Mike at camp, I, it, it blew my mind that I'm like, how do these guys make it? Because you have two-a-days, but you can't have pads on twice a day. So you, you're not showing shit in walkthrough. What's an undrafted free agent going to show you in walkthrough? That he can line up in the right spot? I mean, seriously, what does that do? So you get one padded practice, and because you only have one padded practice, the coach may lean on giving it to, you know, the vets a little more to give them a little more work. And then th- – That's such a in, good point. Th- then throw in this year. This year where there's no preseason games. I remember there was a, a kid who got drafted years ago when I was in this business and I was, I was still calling college games at. He was going to be a senior and go to the NFL. He said, what do I need to do at camp? I said, make the coach stop the tape. Make the coach stop the tape in camp that you stood out that way. That's what you, that's what you need to do. And, and I said, the shame of it is you're only going to get a few reps to do it. And that's it. And then you get your preseason games, but now they don't even have those. But it, unfortunately, it's a part of the roster that not many people outside of us and our families cared about much. But to your point, they are screwed. They are in so much trouble. You're going to see a lot of changing at the back end of the roster, I think, throughout the year this year. Now, you played in the 80s, early 90s, and that was really before the big explosion for the the contract situation. We just had a guy sign a contract for half a billion dollars. Did you ever imagine anything like that would happen? No, never. Never that. Never would I have imagined that we'd mention a football player with a baseball player. You know, with Mike Trout making the 400 million and a couple guys in the 300 million as well, even though those are fully guaranteed, but Mahomes isn't fully guaranteed, but we know he's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. No, I never did. And, and in all honesty, it's an outlier because it's not like Lamar Jackson or, you know, whoever, who, who's the next big quarterback outside of Lamar that's going to that's gonna be looking for uh, Deshaun Watson, you know. Mm-hmm. No way. The first thing the team will tell Deshaun Watson's agent and Lamar Jackson's agent is don't even bring up Mahomes' contract. <laughs> just, just don't do it. Just not don't happening, do it. okay? Just don't, don't do, do it. it. So, and, and so that, that's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to – all the quarterbacks aren't going to jump or join and say he just raised our minimum. No, he didn't. That is such an outlier. But good for him. I mean, what he's done – I mean, now getting the Super Bowl ring, getting engaged to his high school sweetheart – my God, Pat Mahomes is just living right right now. Good for him. Uh, but the salaries now, it is great. It is so much better than when we all, certainly when I played. My first year salary as a 10th rounder was $62,000. The rookies now have a, what, a minimum is what, half a mil? $500,000? I mean, good for them. Yeah, it was but like it just, yeah, it just shows something. How it yeah, it just, it just shows how year. it changes over the years, you know, and – and I, I'm not one of those old guys that said, oh, look what these guys are making, and I didn't make that. Man, that's just the way it goes, man. It's timing. They hit it right. Good for them. Shit, I bet you felt like a millionaire with that 62K, though. Dude, I'm coming out of college. I get a 17-5 signing bonus. 
which I bought an, uh, used to buy an IROC, Z, IROC, uh, IROC with the T-tops uh-huh. that got stolen down in Houston twice, which we won't <laughs> Wait, even talk what? about. And, and, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah my twice? IROC, you found it after the first time? Twice. After the second time, they, it got stolen. I reported it. They said they found it. I said, just tow it to the dealership. I don't want that piece of shit. I bought a, I bought a Jeep Wrangler <laughs> after that, I think. But, yeah, 62.5. And this is what – and so – I broke my ankle my rookie year. So I was on IR. I was back on IR. We were on IR for the whole year. So I used my brother Bob's agent, IMG. Now, they, they had monster players. And they just took me because they had Bob. I'm like a tiny fish in their monster ocean, right? So, and I'm young and I'm, I'm single. And so they paid all my bills. All my, my rent and utilities, everything went to them. And they paid it. Credit card bills, the whole thing. So I'm on IR. So I'm, you know, I'm in Houston. I'm going out. I go out to the bars to eat and I buy drinks or I give the credit card and buy drinks for people, blah, blah, blah. About three months into the season, my agent calls me and he said, you know, just because you have a minimum on your credit card doesn't mean you have to hit it every month. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing or spending. And I got married like my third year into the league and I've been married for 33 years now. First thing my wife did, she said, we're taking all the expenses now. We're doing, we're handling everything right now. So that, that helped an awful lot. Yeah, I did. I felt like an absolute millionaire my rookie year. Now, you, you've had this just ridiculous radio career. And uh, since you told me to bring people inside the locker room, I, I have to ask you, like, when you look back on your football career, we all have those one or two memories, right? Where when someone asks, hey, what was your favorite game? What was your favorite moment? Something pops into your head right away. Do you, do you have one of those? We were uh, – oh, I have a couple of those. We, the one, one year in, in uh, Philadelphia, we had um, uh, Jim McMahon had signed. That was when Randall got hurt in game one against uh, the Packers. Bryce Pop caught him in the knee. And we brought Ran- uh, um, Jim McMahon in. And – McMahon, what if, there's stories enough about Jim, but <laughs> it got to be, it got to be wintertime and we went down to walk through in the vet. This is back before they blew up the vet. And uh, we got in a snowball fight. Now Jim's our starting quarterback now. So the snowball fight made it up into the locker room and somebody came up behind Jim and was going to hit him in the back of the head and rifled a snowball at him right as Jim turned around and hit him right in the eye, right in the eye. And I mean, he went down and we're like, Oh my God, we just one eye blinded our starting quarterback. I mean, that's something I'll never forget. One of, one of the most amazing things I ever saw was Reggie White, who was a freak of an athlete, 6'6, 315. I watched him run a 4'640. This dude working out, he basically did, did uh, squats, cleans, and benched. And, you know, a lot of times you see great players, sometimes they're not great lifters. Reggie was great everything. So our, I don't know what, what you guys' strength test w- was, but our strength test back then was 315 for reps on the bench. So you get 315, do it as many as you can, and it averages out to uh, a gross amount. We stopped doing the, the one reppers, uh, I think, when I was in Houston. So us mere mortal, D-lineman, we were doing 11 or 12 with 315. Reggie gets up there and does like 18 at 315 pounds. Comes out to a five-something bench or high, uh, something, something ridiculous. And so and he's, he'd always been the top, the top bencher. So he goes out, you know, we're in the locker room then, and the offense of line is in there lifting. And there's a guy lifting in there who 
who turned out to get cut, but he was a big, strong meathead, man. I mean, just, just cock strong. And he did, he put 405 on. He put 405 on, and I think he did it like 10 or 11 times. And we were like, oh, my God. And it worked, wow. it worked out to more of a max than Reggie's, you know, 17 or 18 at 315. Whatever the numbers were, it worked out to more of a max than Reggie's. So, listen, being the, you know, nice teammates we were, immediately ran to Reggie and started yelling at him, you're not the strongest guy. Some old lineman just outbenched you. You suck, you know. I mean, we were just, just, just mocking him. And he goes, what happened? What happened? We said, yeah, dude, 405 did it like 10, 11 times. Reggie walked back into the weight room, got under the bar with 405 on it, and did it one more time than that guy did it. Oh, my God. And then just looked at us and was like, you guys good? We're like, <laughs> We're like yeah, whatever. Yeah, You're fine. <laughs> that's such Thanks, an Reg. awesome story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, that's – oh, so – after you, you know the the show and everything happened, and I, I bet you probably was there any time you thought about, hey, I'm I'm done. I, you know, I like for me, I've been plotting my retirement forever. I can't <laughs> wait for the day where all I could do is wake up, play golf, do whatever, do this podcast, do yeah. the podcast. Was there ever a time whenever you thought, I'm done? You know, I'm not going to do anything else. And which, let's be honest, this what we do really isn't work, right? It's, yeah. Yeah. You know, but was there, was there a time you thought, okay, well, I'm done. Oh yeah. When, when, when Mike and Mike ended, um, my contract was actually going to be up at the end of that year. And I thought, eh, you know, maybe I'll just, I, I had thought maybe that was going to be my last contract anyway. And then the show was going to end. And I thought, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll just end it. You know, maybe I'll just, just, just be done and go off and hang out, you know, in, in Arizona and play golf and, you know, do a podcast or whatever and, uh, and be done. And when they started talking about the next show and they brought up Trey Wingle, who I had known since 2003, we live in the same town. I had done NFL live with him a ton of times and bringing Mike on the show, my son, I'm like, my God, a chance to work with, with my son, you know, who was just kind of getting into the business. He was doing the four to six slot right before our show. And they were going to bring him on for like an hour of our show then, which then he did a really great job. And it turned out he just, transitioned over to doing all four hours on our show so I wasn't going to pass that up a chance to work with my kid again I you know I could try and explain it all I want but until you're sitting there and there's one of your kids at your workplace doing the work with you you know it, it's really a cool feeling now I actually thought he'd be a little more oh dad let me learn from you I agree with everything you say the son of a bitch just disagrees with me all the time <laughs> tells me what an old man I am to get into the now you know but but so once that was going to happen I said I, I, I got to do that so we did it for the three years um, for, I, I signed another three-year contract and did it for those three years and then they made this change and you know there was part of me in, in all actuality they, when the show ended July 31st they were just going to say, Hey, just, you know, enjoy it until December 31st. Cause you're getting paid, you know, so just enjoy it, you know, sit around and do nothing. And I thought, I don't want to, you know, I know I'm not going to go do something and work eight hours a day. I, so I approached them and I said, you know, what? when I first came to you guys, I, I, I was doing college football and I love calling college games. I said, can I go back and do that? You know, and, and for the rest of my uh, contract. And they're like, yeah, if you want to do that, we'd love to have you back doing that. So, um, so I'm going to do that. And then, you know, I was talking with my wife and, and I, 
once I started working with Mike, I really, it kind of got refreshed again. And, and I, I want to keep going. So my deal's up at the end of the year. And whether it's back with ESPN doing something or signing with somebody else and doing something, I'll probably keep going for a few more years, probably out of, mostly out of the fact that my wife doesn't want me around the house that much <laughs> just yet. But I am enjoying now, as college football is going to start, I am enjoying sleeping in. I am playing a lot more golf. And now I, I've never known what it's like to do a college game, and that's it. I always did radio all week, sometimes a studio show along with radio, and then I would fly and do a game on a Saturday and then start the whole process over again. I've never just done a college game. So I'm You'll even be able to do it without to. traveling too, which, which is interesting. Yes. I mean, I, I just found out my game – you know, just, just a little bit ago, and I've already started watching – I'm a tape freak. I'm a, a tape. I still call it tape. I'm a film freak. So I've already started watching it. I was watching it. My wife looked over at me, and she said, I've lost you already, haven't I? I said, yeah, the film's rolling, so I've got to watch. <laughs> now, last one from me, Mike. But So the first time I met you, I was on my official visit with yep. Jake – your other yep. son. We were both yep. tight ends on yep. our official visit at Notre Dame. You took me in during a pouring rainstorm when they were playing Michigan. I've, I've always been grateful to you for that. Then me and Mike became such good friends, still are, still talk all the time. Sydney worked for the Browns when I was playing for the Browns. Right. I yep. feel like I'm just an honorary Golick. <clears throat> is that fair for me well, to assume? Yeah, it is now because, well, now Sydney swam. She was a really good athlete. Jake was a tight end, a really good athlete. At what point did you transition to a fatty? I don't, oh, come I, on. When, when, when did that happen? When did you play on the wrong side of the line like that? I, that's, a, that's a good question. They saw it, him it just the all first go route he ran down the field. <laughs> and I, oh boy. They were saying, go, go, go. Let's get him no, in really, a 60s I, what, jersey. When, when did you When did you transition you, to the O-line? Well, so it was, it was actually after my freshman year, they came to me, we were going to run, you know, we were going to kind of spread it out a little more, but you really, what happened was I senior year in high school, I broke my foot in basketball and then I rebroke my foot and had surgery and I got cleared. I got out of a boot on June 1st, 2009, our first day of summer workouts June 1st, 2009, I ran like a five, like eight, 40. It was the first <laughs> time I had run in like six months, and it was all downhill from there, Mike. So when, when you got to Oklahoma, what did you weigh? And when you left, what did you weigh? I was probably about 240, maybe 237, 235, like somewhere in that. And then I left, yeah, over over three bills. It was uh, – So seriously, you became an O-lineman. Did you just hate yourself? Yeah. I mean, oh, all, all yeah. the time. But yeah. then, it, then like, I met my wife, and she loved me when I was fat. And, like, yeah, so I was like, you know what? We're good here. That's when you know you got someone who really digs you, right? When they see you at your worst. I'm just being a, an ass right now. I'm sorry. I, just, <laughs> I yeah. know. It's the, it's the D-line in me. I can't help myself. <laughs> I, hey, I hope I'm not speaking out of place, Gabe, but, hey, Mike, if once your contract's up and you need something to do, man, we, a third wheel on the podcast, hey, jump on in. Let's go. God, three voices? Is that what you really want in the <laughs> podcast? Oh, my God. I'm getting used to this. Listen, I'm getting used to this new world. I don't know. Now, we have a family podcast, a Golic family podcast. We call it Sorry in Advance because my daughter, Sydney, 
drops the F-bomb all the time on it. We have to try and edit it out. So we're always sorry in advance. But I'm just learning. That's a fun podcast to do. But I'm learning about this. Twitch has is, is approached about doing some stuff. And I'm like, Twitch, isn't that like a gamer thing? I mean, I, I get this is where I feel like an old man and I need some help coming into the now with some of this stuff. Okay. What's going on? This is, this, is this is a question I've had for a very long time. You have a full head of luxurious hair. What happened with Junior's hair? Like, what, what, what happened? Like, how? I, very I, simple. He's an old lineman. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to do it. Man, I don't know because that dude, listen, you want to pull up a great picture. You've probably seen it already. A great picture of Mike is his mugshot when he got arrested his freshman year at Notre Dame. It's a fantastic picture. Drinking. I mean, it is a head of lettuce, and he looks like a murderer. I mean, just the scowl on his face and the head of lettuce that he's got. I, Gabe, I wish I knew. I, I don't know when that happened, how you can have that much hair, and all of a sudden it'd be gone. I, it, he's stunned. I'm stunned. It's one of the few things I have over him now because he speaks better than I do. He's smarter than I am. And, you know, his, his career is going in a nice direction. So the only thing I can say to him now is, you're bald. You know, I, I, I got nothing else. I got nothing else for him. Oh, Mike, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And this was absolutely awesome. You, sir, are a legend. And I mean that. And, there, and I can only imagine all of the people that reached out to you once the run ended, uh, I, I'm sure that people express just how much they appreciate. Just know that, I mean, you you meant a ton to me. And when I got into this business, I I just wanted to be like you. I know that's cheesy as shit, but it's true. Well, hell, no, that's I, everyone I that's gotten into yeah. this business, though. I mean, that you are the guy that everyone has seen and listened to for the last however many years. It's like set the standard of whenever it all blew up. That's, that's the bar that everyone's uh, learning from. I, you know, I, I, when I really started hearing from people, hearing from my peers like you guys, it's really a, a really an incredible thing and, and something I, I really do appreciate. But then hearing from so many listeners and viewers of just like, oh, my God, you know, I, I, the one, some kid told me I, I had a paper out in the morning when I was 14 and I listened to your show and then one of my workouts in high school, before school, I listened to your show. And then when I my workouts in college before your show. And then when I was deployed, we listened to your show. And I'm thinking, my God, this kid from 14 to 25, 26, whatever, listened to the show. And I heard so many stories of thanks for, you know, the show. I drove my kid to school and, you know, we were able to listen together. We enjoyed those times. Those were the stories where I really kind of sat back and went, wow. That, that stuff was really cool to me, that, that, there, that there was this connection. And that's really what I was hoping for, that there was a connection. And uh, that really humbled me a lot, uh, that the listeners and viewers thought that. And then, again, like I said, from you guys, the, the peers in this industry, it's really been a, a neat thing. So maybe I should just ride off into the sunset. I'll sign with somebody else and I'll suck. And everybody's going to say, oh, he overstayed his welcome. He should have just retired. <laughs> I love you, man. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure, man. I really enjoyed it. I, anytime you guys want me on, I'm, I, I got a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing you call some games. It's going to be fun.
Oh, can't wait. Thanks. Well, that was amazing. <laughs> I think there's a reason that guy had a morning radio show for 20 whatever years. Oh, my gosh. Well, hey, I'll say this. I love him. Um, he's used to doing four hours a day. Uh, he's got something to say. You know, he stopped by the the, the podcast, put out an hour-long interview with us, and it, you know, didn't feel uh, tedious at all. The easiest hour interview of all time. Oh, he's he's the best. I love and I love the Golick family. The Reggie White story is oh the my. least surprising thing of all time with <laughs> Reggie White, right? I'll just go back and beat him real quick. That's unbelievable. Some some dudes are just built different physically. All right, Ted, let's get to our segments. And since it's Thursday, we're gonna wet the beak, talk a little sports gambling. And Wet the Beak is brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all of your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And, of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He also builds office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit timhughescustomhomes.com. All right, we're doing something a little weird for what to be. Thunder Rockets Game 7 is moments from tipping off. So we do not know how this game is going to go, but the line currently, the Rockets are five-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under is 217-and-a-half, according to betonline.ag. What do we think is going to happen? Because game sevens get weird. The end of game six was super weird. I just don't know. Is James Harden built for this moment? I I just don't know. And that's why we're going to film our, or we're going to tape our reaction we're literally going to jump off, watch the game, come back, record our reaction to it. And I have no idea what to expect. The homer in me thinks the Thunder's going to win. You talk about clutch situations, right? And we've talked about clutch games. we all seen the stats in the fourth quarter, all those things. But there's, n- there's not a more clutch situation than a game seven. <sighs> I don't want to pick the Thunder. I certainly think they cover the five and a half. Agree. But, but I'm going to pick them. I'm going to pick them. And now I'm going to go watch the game, Teddy. And I may come back heartbroken. I'm scared. Well, come on, take, Dort. Come on, Dort. I'll definitely take the Thunder in the five and a half. I think Houston is going to win a tight game. Um, here's the thing about that over-under. I think that's a great number 
if it goes under the 217.5, I think the Thunder win the game. You know, I think if they can keep it tight, kind of keep it nasty, keep it uh, an ugly basketball game, I think they can win it. I've got to pick Houston, but I got to tell you, man, the pressure is on Houston. It's not on Oklahoma City. No kidding. I mean, you got Russell exactly Westbrook right. who is has an opportunity to lose to the team that he just left, and that would mean he still hasn't made it out of uh, a playoff series without Kevin Durant. Um, the pressure's on Houston. And here's the thing. It's a make-or-miss team. You know, whenever you shoot the three, if you don't hit, it's going to be an ugly night. And that's how it's been for Houston. When they hit, they win big. Whenever they don't, Oklahoma City has a legitimate shot. So um, we'll see how it goes. I think if the game's tight, there's a chance Houston could have a little pucker factor down the stretch. And if that's the case, look out. I think another thing to watch is how the game is called. Um, you know, in the last please game, I don't think, give them all those bullshit fouls. Right, I beg the, you, refs, please don't do it. Game six, the Rockets were nine of twelve from the line. They only shot twelve uh, foul shots. If if the Thunder can force that type of number again, I think they win the game. But if the Rockets get to the foul line 28, 30 times, then forget about it. Well, one thing that I'm going to have my eye on for sure, Chris Paul was absolutely exhausted mm -hmm. at the end of game six. Now, he went off and did his thing and won him the game, but Billy Donovan, he was very smart with when he subbed him out and how he used his timeouts, things like that. And then I really do think CP3 got a lot of energy when he got that technical. Yeah. So I, I'm interested to see, does he run out of gas? And <laughs> it may come down to this. And it, it always comes down to the role players, right? Harden's going to get his. You know, CP3's going to get his. But it could be, like, who plays better, Covington or Dort? <laughs> like right. that's, that's, that's the weird thing about Game 7s. I certainly like the under. I always like the under in a Game 7. But I guess we're about to find out, Ted. Here's the, here's the one more thing real quick. I think there's a bit of, you know – the oldest cliche in all the sports, who wants it more? You know, if you think about Houston, right, I don't necessarily know how bad they want it. Do they really think they've got a chance to win a championship? No. No, they don't. But the Thunder, and it's, you know, if they, if they lose to the Thunder, it's a disappointment. And if they lose, after getting uh, Russell Westbrook, having him and Harden on the same team, if they lose in the next round, that's a disappointment too. So part of me is like, you know, what do they really feel like they're playing for right now? The Thunder, on the other hand, if they go out and beat Russell Westbrook, beat James Harden in a playoff series when everyone in the country left him for dead before the season tipped off, that is a win across the board. Forget about it for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I do feel like there's – there may be a little bit more fight late in the game from Oklahoma City than there is uh, the Houston Rockets. Well, also keep your eye on turnovers. The Thunder can force God. a lot of turnovers. That could be, could be huge when it comes to winning the basketball game. Well, all right. Uh, we'll be back either elated or I assume uh, maybe I may be crying. Be back. <laughs> I may be crying. I don't know. We'll, we'll be right back. Well – we're back, 
And I think we just witnessed one of the biggest train wreck end of game plays in the history of game sevens. I'm going to try to keep it together here. I'm going to try Ted, but what the fuck was that? It was over and then it wasn't over. Oh my God. Are we going to, we're going to have a final attempt at this thing. One last heave at the basket and <laughs> I mean, okay. No fits. Why is Steven Adams even in? I don't know. Like, I have no idea. I mean, I, like I'm you can have other bodies thing. screen. <laughs> There's not time to get like a tip in or something. I mean, the only reason he should be in there is if they're trying to do a lob, you know, with the tip in at the rim because no one's fronting or uh, they're fronting him and no one's between him and the, in the basket, but that wasn't in their mind. I know that's what, um, got, uh, Mark Jackson kept Mark, bringing it up. Yeah. That's what he was wanting them, them to do, but, yeah, I don't know. To not even be able to get any type of attempt was just after we waited thirty minutes for it was just horrible. <laughs> Man, Scott Foster, he he got some serious camera time. He, uh, <laughs> I that first of all, the foul they called on Harden before the ball was inbounded. Like, what? <laughs> right. He I was mean, just kind of like holding him by the waist as he followed him around. Yeah, that I. Was, uh, I'm when it comes down it, to it, he was gonna I'm, say, "I thought he was gonna say, uh, you get one shot at a free throw here. Uh, if you make it, then the game's over. You just win." <laughs> okay, now this team overachieved. There's no doubt, or they uh, maybe not overachieved, but the expectations were what they were, and mm-hmm. the fact that we're so—I don't know if "angry" is the right word, but just disappointed. I haven't had time yet to be angry. I'll be angry in the morning. (laughs) The one guy we can't be angry at is Lou Dort. I know. Oh, I know. I mean, you talk about. Well, I'm mad about that last exchange though, where he tried to throw it off Harden and everything. That was a good play by Harden getting that block. Yeah, that was good effort. That was you don't say that about Harden on defense much, but that that was good effort. Great closeout. Good block. I didn't think that a Lou Dort three was going to be the shot attempt that I wanted for this team when the game was on the line. But as he went up for that, I was like, you know what? I can live with this. The man had 30 points. He was six of 12 from three. Unbelievable. Played some good, tough defense. I mean, he had the game of his life. I mean, I, I honestly thought with, with about what a minute 45 left in the game, I was like, they're, they're going to win this thing. They're going to win it. I have no idea why they didn't play. I, why did Donovan not play Darius Baisley more? I, I just don't, I don't understand why Steven Adams got so many minutes. Like he had a minimal impact. It's not like he was, he wasn't punishing them on the boards. He wasn't scoring at the rim. Like he was just out there mm-hmm. and that, Baisley was affecting the game. Like, I thought Adams had a very – for a team that's – an opponent that's so small, he was – he had no effect on the series really whatsoever. He, he had no place in this series. The fact that he played 35 minutes in this game, like it, it's ridiculous. I know you're paying the guy a fortune, but 
I mean, he was just out there and he wasn't, I don't know, man. Like I, I like Steven Adams a lot, but he was not changing the game really. And I know that they talk about his basketball IQ and all those things and what he does for them defensively. But I mean, how many times are we going to watch Covington or PJ Tucker shoot a three? And Steven Adams running at him full speed like the guy in Happy Gilmore. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I don't know, man. It's frustrating, but at the same time, to have a game seven against Houston uh, in the first round from where we thought we were going to be, um, you know, as the season tipped off is it was a fun ride and especially for a season that we didn't think was going to have a close to it. So you can't be mad at that. We found some good young players. Um, Dort fantastic. He's got a, he's got a good, I'm, I'm really excited about Baisley too. Now after what I saw from him in the bubble. Yeah. I think SGA's got, he's got a ways to go, man. Um, he, I, he was really disappointing in this series. For I think, me. I think what he found is, you know, in the playoffs, even Houston, the defense steps way up, and he just doesn't look like he has very much confidence in his handle. I mean, his handle was shaky as hell tonight, and it may be this sim this simple. That dude needs to live in the weight room this offseason. Yeah. He was outmatched physically. I mean, we've talked about it. Physical strength plays a huge role in basketball. People may not realize it, but he could not get downhill. He couldn't get to his spots in the lane. I mean. What happened man, to Gallinari? It, my, he was a minus 16. He had four points. And on that, on that free throw attempt, he looked like he, fro like, he, looked like he glitched. Like he his body froze. Close. I mean, I don't know what happened. There obviously – pressure-filled moment, but I was he like, had a, wait. He had a, a performance in this series where he had one point and then he had four in game seven in 27 minutes on a, as an offensive guy. Yeah. Uh, didn't get a whole like, lot of looks, but still, I mean, just... But against a small team, like... And I know he's limited athletically now, but, man, yeah, that was... That's probably the game right there is the lack of production you get from Gallinari, four points. Man. That's uh, that's really tough, and I I feel bad for Chris Paul. That missed bunny with I don't know what forty something seconds left. That one's gonna haunt him. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. I oh, mean, it's so if, depressing. If I would have told you that you know Russell Westbrook and Harden would combine for what thirteen of thirty five, and what uh one for 11 from three it's like we got this if, we got this if we're playing the what if i told you game what if i told you that lou dort would have 30 <laughs> and they would still lose <laughs> i mean are you kidding me oh this hurts ted it hurts man the good news is um we covered the wet, the beak, the five and a half. That's the important part. We knew it was a lock. The under was a lock. We nailed them both. So we did our jobs. You guys are welcome. Well, <laughs> all right. On to the rest of the podcast.
let's move on to our winners and losers of the week, Ted. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the week? Um, I think the, the winner of the week, without a doubt, is I believe his name is Andrew Christensen of Lincoln, Nebraska. Okay. Uh, now, before you start, mm-hmm. and I, I believe this is a first for the podcast. I'm actually going to put the audio in. That's how good it is. So here's the audio. I promise I won't take up too much of your time here. My name is Andrew Christensen. Uh, I live at 1212 Twin Ridge Road. Lincoln has the opportunity to be a social leader in this country. We have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning and treating things as, as though they're normal. I go into nice family restaurants and I see people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just fine. I'm talking about boneless chicken wings. I propose that we as a city remove the, excuse me, I'm trying to, yeah, excuse me, come on. I propose that we as a city remove the name boneless wings from our menus and from our hearts. These are our reasons why. Number one, nothing about boneless chicken wings actually come from the wing of a chicken. We would be disgusted if a butcher was mislabeling their cuts of meats, but then we go around and pretending as though the breast of the chicken is its wing. Number two, boneless chicken wings are just chicken tenders, which are already boneless. I don't go to order boneless tacos. I don't go and order boneless club sandwiches. I don't ask for boneless auto repair. It's just what's expected. And then number three, we need to raise our children better. Our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat. That's where meat comes from. It grows on bones. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken is from a chicken and it's delicious. I propose that we rename boneless wings in the city of Lincoln. We can call them Buffalo style chicken tenders. We can call them wet tenders. We can call them saucy nugs or trash. We can take these steps and show the country that where we stand and that we understand that we've been living a lie for far too long and we know it because we feel it in our bones. Thank you. I think it's the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. Uh, the way he starts off, we don't know what he's talking about. We don't know if he's talking about something with uh, the coronavirus or with social justice, but what is it? Uh, boneless chicken wings, which we all agree is the dumbest thing in the world. We all know they, it's They a are nugget. delicious, though. They're delicious. They're great. I don't care what you call them. But it's a nugget. Let's, please, can we, as a society... Can we at least agree to calling things what they are, right? It's not a boneless wing. It's a nugget. Yeah. I I can't decide. First of all, I absolutely laughed my ass off 
when you sent that to me and did I couldn't you, decide. Did you think he was going to be going with it? You just, did you know, have any idea? I had, I had no idea. And the, the best part, I couldn't decide what I liked the most. The guy that laughs and he's able to keep the straight face and be like, sir, Hey, I'm trying to, you know, excuse me, sir. I'm trying it, to make a point here. It was, that was unbelievable. And then the thing that just made me lose it, the guy that was clapping at the very end, like there's one human being clapping. And I was like, I, I just lost it. I, I was like, this is the funniest thing of all time. The lady behind him too. Can't keep it together either. Soon, like she's looking at him all serious. And then whenever he says, I'm talking about boneless chicken wings, she loses it too. <laughs> it's pretty it's, funny. It was Good unbelievable. Stuff. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week, Ted? Don't know her name, but she's total loser. So here's what happens. A woman comes to the emergency room in Russia, by the way, comes to the emergency room. She can't breathe. They have to try and resuscitate her right there. She's got something lodged in her windpipe, in her throat. Um, they don't know what it is. So finally, they figure out they've got to clear the airway. The doctor reaches in with a pair of forceps and pulls out Gabe a four-foot snake that was lodged in the woman's throat. How it what? got there, no idea. Don't want to know. Don't care. But it is, and it's alive. It is the most vile thing I've ever seen. Oh, about. it's alive? It's alive. Where'd you see this? What? Social media, Twitter. Oh, of course. <laughs> best, best place on earth. Um. It's horrible. That I don't know if that's my worst nightmare. I think burning alive is is high up there. Um, getting ALS is really high on my like biggest fears list. But a snake crawling into my mouth, and I'm not particularly scared of snakes. Yeah, that's terrifying. Like, was she asleep? Did she do it on purpose? I have questions, Teddy. You better have answers. I have questions. I have no answers. It's all in Russian. I don't know what they're saying. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know how it got there. I just know it is the most disgusting thing. It is not what I thought was going to be coming out of there. And, oh, my God, it's horrible. Oh. oh. So that's oh. got to be the biggest loser ever. I that's, mean, I, That's just weird. Horrible. Ooh. Yeah. All right. My winners and losers are brought to you by Sound Advice. New sponsor alert. A lot of us are going to be watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, did the theater room, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires and the cable boxes so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my cell phone. It is wow. awesome. My internet has been flawless. For the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City era, area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. All right, Ted, my winner of the week, I thought about doing David Blaine for recreating the plot of the movie up but then I was like, no, that movie makes me really sad, or at least the start does, or I don't know what the hell he was doing, but it, it was pretty cool. But I decided to go with JT Daniels. I mean, Jamie Newman 
at Georgia, he decides he's opting out. He's going to get ready for the draft. Okay, no judgment here. So JT Daniels went from being, most likely, being Keaton Slovis' backup at USC to being the starting quarterback at Georgia. And USC isn't even playing this year. So he went from not playing for sure to being the starting quarterback for the best team in the SEC East. And he was already granted an immediate eligibility waiver like back in July. I know that there's been some questions about that ACL, how he's bouncing back from that. You know, is he ready for contact? All that. He's going to be fine. He'll be ready to play. This kid is living right, Ted. The first thing I thought whenever I saw that he was opting out was, ooh, you know who was on campus not too long ago? Fields was snooping around. Ooh. Is he opting out? Does he know something we don't know about a possible late transfer from Fields? Oh, um, I love that. I love that theory. That's the first thing I thought of. But you're right. Um, JT Daniels has walked into, like, the perfect situation. Like, you flip that around, like, the opposite of that situation is Trey Sermon who transferred to Ohio State, who's not going to play, and the guy that he was sharing time with a year ago, Kennedy Brooks, opted out. I mean, he would have been the guy at Oklahoma in the best offense in the country. So JT Daniels is the reverse Trey Sermon. Got right. it. Analogy <laughs> established. Perfect. All right, now my loser of the week, Iowa State. Now – Iowa State came out and they said they were going to have 25,000 fans for their opener against Louisiana, which we found out our boy Mike Golick Sr. is going to be on the call of. Now, that seemed ambitious at the time, but Jamie Pollard, their athletic director, he's kind of been ahead of the curve on all this stuff. So 25,000 is around 40% of Jack Tri Stadium there in Ames. But then... Jamie Pollard comes out and says, hey, we're going to allow these fans, and if you follow all the protocols, then it's possible that all our season ticket holders will be able to come to our next home game against Oklahoma. So he's like, hey, I'm putting it on the fans. You know, Let's go, guys. You, guys are, you can do this. If you're accountable, you guys can all come watch us play the Sooners. Well, I don't know what happened, and I, I assume it's coronavirus number related. I, I didn't really dive too deep into what's going on in Iowa, but it sounds like there's been a breakout there in Ames. They went from, hey, we're going to have 25000 for the opener, to two days later, their president said, nope, there will be no fans, zero, at the opener. So – that had to be horrible. That had to be an awful feeling if you're an Iowa State fan where you're going, oh, my gosh, 25,000 of us get to go. We may even get to bring more to the next home game against OU to all of a sudden none. That had to be awful. It is awful. And I don't know. I don't get the reasoning. I mean, maybe there's an outbreak, and maybe what they're doing is, like, we're not going to waste it on – uh, Louisiana, we're going to wait, try and get through the outbreak. We've got the bye week afterwards and try and get prepared for the, the regular season a little bit better. 
to where we can have some, uh, some bigger games later. But I don't know. It seems weird that the AD would come out and say something. And then God, it was like not even a day later that the president came out and said, uh, no, actually zero. Yeah. It, it changed quickly. But uh, I suppose we should all just get used to things changing quickly. All right, Ted, let's move on to everyone's favorite segment, and that is Keeping It Local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. And Keeping It Local is brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools are reopening in the fall, parents want to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs like the football team that beat Muskogee, no big deal, they're 6A, and clubs, Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. Okay, three words, all associated, all in the same place. I want to get your immediate reaction. Okay. Movie theater, okay. restaurant, microbrewery. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Perfect. Thank I you. thought you would say that. So I, I knew you would, uh, you would enjoy that combination, and I think a lot of people in the Oklahoma City area are going to enjoy it. Flick's Brew House open today in Oklahoma City. It's right off Broadway extension between Wilshire and Britain. The place has a ton of beer that they brew themselves. Got a really good food menu with all kinds of choices. Pretty much you can get healthy stuff. You can get burgers. You can get pizza, wraps, salads. I mean, it's, it's got everything. And it does have a great appetizer. Oh, there's just so many good appetizers. But right now at Flick's Brew House, $1 popcorn, $1 sodas, $3 beers. Place just Let's opened. Go. So, yeah, I, I know, Let's right? Go. So, uh, a lot of people are a little uh, little iffy on movie theaters right now. Well, Flicks. Dollar popcorn's worth getting the coronavirus over, <laughs> if you ask me. I mean, come on. Really? T- Teddy Lehman said that, not me. Now, they are taking precautions at Flicks. Their ticket system automatically puts two seats in between you and any other group. They have social distancing in the halls and stuff going on and instructions inside there. And this is the part where I was like, whoa, that's cool. They have something called cold plasma ionization. Some machine. Cold. Are you familiar with the cold plasma ionization machine, Teddy? Yeah, I actually, I, I am. The first time I tried uh, that ice cream, I think, was down in Miami last year. <laughs> is that what that is? No, is that I, the new ice cream maker? So, so I guess it filters like 99% of pathogens. It also takes out like allergens and like all this stuff. Like It takes 99% of that stuff out of the air. So it's like the cleanest air on the planet or something. No, I, I don't know, but I do... And I, I, I don't do this often, but I am a proud husband. This is a proud husband moment. My wife played a uh, rather significant role in bringing flicks here to Oklahoma City. So I, that. I am pretty, I'm pretty fired. I'm, I'm pretty fired up about it. 
I you uh, have did, out of that. Did you get like a special uh, card that you can swipe and we got on food we, and beverages? I don't, I don't think so. But we got invited to the soft opening and all that stuff, and we had already. Unfortunately, we'd already made plans with people, so we didn't go. But I can't wait to get out there it, because as long as it's got a a fantastic screen and sound system. Oh yeah, that's well, that's my thing. It's a That's movie theater, thing. dude. Sure, and it's a new one. So yeah, how bad can it be? If if you can do that, and then you got beers and great food, and the new ice cream machine, I'm in. You know what they should do? Hey, Flix, thank me later. That uh, pay per view OU game. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, come on. Ooh. Print the, just charge a ticket, a certain price. I don't know, but it's a no brainer. Now, once again. I don't know if that's legal. I don't know if you can do that. That that that's probably not legal. But it's, it's a great always idea. easier to ask forgiveness than it is permission. Just do it and figure out the details later. Yeah. So Teddy, we need to get to flicks. I'm like that sounds awesome. I was looking at the menu. I've seen Ooh. it. It's been. I feel like it's been going up for a well, while. It was supposed, and it was then, supposed to open in April, and then yeah. obviously, you know, coronavirus. I'm down. I think it's going to be awesome. All right, man. Episode thirty nine in the books we'll have a new podcast that'll drop monday morning just a reminder you can hear teddy from two to six on sports talk 1400 you can hear me on sirius xm big 12 radio channel 375 hope you all have a great weekend until next time we appreciate y'all for listening and do what you always do oklahoma take care of each other Just one more